And welcome to the podcast series of Mother Nature Warned Us. This episode is written and narrated by myself, Milo Karanen, and edited by my brother, Knox Karanen. Within this episode, I will share a story about how climate change not only affected myself, but a community, a state, and an entire region of the United States over the past month. Try to sit back and relax as these stories are meant to shed light on how future generations will have to be accustomed to living if actions by politicians are not taken now. I'm from Michigan. I have never experienced wildfires firsthand in my life. Yet as I speak to the local people born and raised in Oregon, they have never seen anything like this in their lives either. And I've spoken to elder people, people in their 40s, and people in their 20s, all from Oregon. Not one has ever seen their state or Northern California like this before. I was working on a homestead farm through a nonprofit organization called WOOF, which stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. I was so excited to work with this family. They own a consulting company to teach others about permaculture practices, which is a farming technique that is designed according to patterns of nature. They also practice these techniques on their homestead farm and at a local non-for-profit organization that they are a part of. At the farm, I would learn more about permaculture practices, growing my own food with hopes to learn how to live more sustainably. I would live in a tiny house with the exterior made of organic earthen plaster and the flooring polished with beeswax. I would use a composting toilet and bathhouse where I was going to help with a mosaic made of recycled glass. I would use an outdoor kitchen and a shower, all of these amenities with no electricity. Although this sounds rough for many, this was a dream come true for me. I would stay here a month with hopes to come out of it with new sustainable practices and knowledge. I was there for four days. I came over Labor Day weekend, so my first actual work day of work was Tuesday, September 8th. The previous night had some high winds, so I woke up to smoke hanging in the air. After making my breakfast outdoors in the smoke, I walked up to the garden to start my first day on the farm. The owner and I worked all morning in the garden, harvesting hundreds of cherry tomatoes and green beans, while his two-year-old son worked with us. The two-year-old's work consisted mostly of trying different vegetables in the garden and explaining, exclaiming, yummy, this is so good, I was filled with joy. The farm was perfect, as was the far family I was working with, and I had already learned so much within a few hours of working with the farm owner. My joy started to diminish once the farm owner started explaining how hazardous the smoke was in the air. He thought it would be best to take a break and possibly do some work inside later, although most of my work was supposed to be outdoors in the garden. I walked down the hill back to my tiny house and made some lunch, this time cereal with oat milk, since it was probably better to stay inside to make my meal. I wandered the tiny house with no service for a few hours, writing in my journal, drawing the tiny house, listening to downloaded podcasts, and just looking outside my window. After what seemed like days of boredom, which was only a few hours in reality, the farm owner came down and brought me a large jug. We don't know if we'll lose power from the fires, he said, so you might want to fill this jug with as much water from 
the well as you can get. I replied with the assumption that this was completely normal. Oh, all right, yeah, I'll fill it up. I filled it up and sat back in the tiny house, wondering how long this smoke would last, how close the fires are. Was my brother okay, who is 30 miles away from us? After a short time, I walked up the hill to the family's house, and the farm owner was already coming down the hill to meet me. She said the fires were pretty concerning, and we're not sure how long the smoke would last. In this uncertain time, it is probably best to be with your brother, she said. I'm headed to his city in 15 minutes to pick up some salmon and can drop you off at your brother's place. I walked back to my tiny house, unsure if I was returning to this magical place where I dreamed of living. I packed everything in my tiny house up in 15 minutes. What was supposed to be a month's stay got shortened to what feels like a four-day camping trip. I carried everything up from the house and the farm owners were preparing to take in 30 goats from another farm who had to evacuate 20 miles away. They were also filling their 3,000 gallon water tank and doing last minute reparations for their generator. I soon learned that the farm owner was driving to Eugene to pick up a year's worth of frozen salmon. She said they are not leaving their home until they absolutely have to. They're prepared for disasters like this. They learned all about climate change disasters in their college courses. There are also professors that teach about climate change. They were more prepared for this than anyone I have spoken to. They knew it was coming. I got back to my brother's space where I dropped my month's worth of clothing, food, camping supplies, and sketchbook in the doorway, still exhausted from my 15 minute evacuation period. He and his girlfriend, who had just moved to Oregon from Michigan, seemed just as clueless as I was, even though they had access to minute-to-minute updates about the fires. They were also unsure if this was just an Oregon summer norm. The farm owner made it clear to myself, my brother, and his girlfriend that this was certainly not normal. That evening, we waited with our backpacks packed as we received emergency orders on our phones every hour or so about who was under mandatory evacuation. I went to sleep with my phone on high volume, waiting to receive an emergency alert to evacuate the city. Although the mandatory evacuation for our city, Eugene, has not come, the fires remain 15 to 20 minutes away from our apartment. The air quality in our area has surpassed the scale by 80 p.m and remains beyond hazardous for our health. Besides feeding animals on a farm my brother works at, we have not been able to be outside or leave the apartment. This is just one small example of the consequences of ignoring climate change for years. A month that I thought would be my dream of working on an organic homestead farm surrounded by nature and fresh air turned out to be spent cooped up inside a small apartment surrounded by wildfires and hazardous air. I am starting this podcast to share personal accounts of climate change that real people have experienced within their lifetime. I hope that this podcast can shed more light on how climate change directly affects people's lives and communities. Each episode will include an individual story from a different location, showing that every climate disaster is unique to its area and every climate disaster has lasting effects on its community. As humans, we rely on our communities and economies to survive. Once climate disasters tear these apart in all different areas, what will we have left? 
By having these conversations, we are able to recognize climate change as not a partisan issue or a debate, but a real human issue. The series will also include information on things we can do on a national, state, local, and individual level in order to slow down our warming of the planet.